Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 135. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. This is a big show. A show I've been looking forward to. A show with one of our biggest guests yet. He's a fighter. And a hero. And a superstar. And an all-around great dude. You love him. My mom loves him. J-Lo loves him. Just about everybody loves him. Milo Ventimiglia. But before we get to Milo, now, now is still a time to stay vigilant. Right now we have these media institutions that are actually inflaming tensions and polarization in different ways. And I thought that there was a way and a need, a pressing need, to help bring the temperature of our country down. Uh, And that's why I left the Democratic Party to become an independent and start the Forward Party, which will be this unifying popular movement to change the incentives of our political leaders to actually respond to the reasonable among us and not the extremes on either side. Because right now, if you look at the numbers, and I'm a math guy, independents outnumber registered Democrats and independents almost, uh, and sorry, registered Democrats and Republicans, uh, almost two to one in some surveys. And yet we know that that point of view is often getting lost. Well, that point of view is not getting lost here. That's former Democratic candidate for president and for mayor of New York City, Andrew Yang, making the case for his new party, making the case for leaving his old party, and also making the case for this show, a show I've been trying to get him on for two years now. So, Andrew, what's up? I know you've heard of me and this show. I spoke to your team about it, and they said you might come on. And that was before you left your party and became an independent. So maybe now's the time. Now seems like it's definitely the time. So let's chop it up. Maybe you heard the last 35 episodes or so of this show. Because it's a case we've been making for a long time. I don't know if me or anyone else is going to join your forward party, but you definitely are on to something. Something that we've been on to for a long time now. Independents are the future. And Andrew Yang, welcome to the non-party. Andrew Yang is interesting. And he's passionate. And he's a fighter. But he's not the only one. Milo Ventimiglia is an actor, director, and producer. And one of the hottest stars in America. He's also a really nice, really hardworking, and really fascinating guy. And a guy with very strong opinions. And you're going to hear him. Because the gloves are off. After early roles with Sylvester Stallone and Rocky Balboa, on Gilmore Girls, and in the NBC series Heroes, Milo went on to star as Jack Pearson in the massively popular NBC drama This Is Us. This Is Us has had people riveted around the country and around the world. And it's been a particular source of strength, understanding, and hope during the pandemic. And now, Milo Ventimiglia, the humble son of a Vietnam vet, is a household name. He's received three Emmy nominations. He won a Screen Actors Guild Award. And he's on fire. But over a decade earlier, 
Milo toured Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan with the USO in support of U.S. troops. And he's done it multiple times since. I met him way back in, I think, 2007 or 2008, and we've been friends ever since. And throughout his career, he's used his star power to help veterans, to help people struggling, and to stand with working people. He supported veterans charities. And for the last month, he's been making phone calls to U.S. senators to help a generation of men and women who've served since 9-11 create a global war on terror memorial on the National Mall in Washington. I'm going to talk to him about that and about his trips overseas to Afghanistan and to Washington with our friend Jane Horton. But Milo has been a friend of mine for many years now. We worked together on issues. We appeared together on political talk shows like Morning Joe. And we spent late nights hanging out in Hollywood, getting pancakes. Milo is going to share what he thinks about the state of America, how he got to where he is, and what's to come on This Is Us. He'll take us behind the red carpet with Nicole Kidman. He'll talk about creating a super action hero movie with past independent guests like Bradley Whitford, Jeffrey Wright, Wes Chapman, John Bernthal, Jane Horton, James Laporta, and Henry Rollins. You'll be entertained, and you'll be inspired. This is Milo Ventimiglia on everything from Afghanistan to Senator Joe Manchin's obstructionism to a strike in Hollywood that could be coming by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, IATSE. It's a union that we talked about last episode with Bradley Whitford. Milo is a fighter who's standing with that union. And he's a fighter who stands up for what he believes in. Not just in the roles he plays, but also in real life. And this is Milo the fighter, as candid as you'll ever hear him. It's another conversation that keeps it real. To help you stay vigilant. Because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. Independent Americans is continuing to bring you important, inspiring, and iconic Americans from all backgrounds. Leaders who are shaping what America's been, what it is now, and especially what it will be in the future. And as always, we're bringing you the Righteous Media Five Eyes. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. This is a big one, one I've been looking forward to, one of our biggest guests yet, and it's a really good conversation with a really good guy, one of my favorites we've ever done. It's real, and it's uplifting, and it's another powerful conversation that's more than just about politics, news, and culture. It's about America, and it's about all of us. It's a conversation that'll give you lessons learned and give you lots to think about, and a conversation, of course, to help you stay vigilant, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And no matter how you affiliate politically, whether you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, you're an Independent, or you're whatever Andrew Yang is now, this is a time for us all to stay vigilant and to fight. Fight using our minds, fight using our values, and fight using our hearts. Welcome to a conversation about heart. Welcome to a conversation about patriotism, service, values, and the future with one of the hottest actors in the world, 
but more importantly, a guy who cares, a guy who stands up, a guy who helps. The son of a Vietnam vet and a son of America and a true independent American and a voice we all need to hear, especially now. This is America. This is the future. This is us. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 135. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. I've been waiting for this for a long time, and I am very happy, inspired, excited, just amped uh, to talk with a man that I've known for a long time now, uh, who has had tremendous success and is one of the best people I've met along my my journeys. Uh, And I'm just, without further ado, I'm going to get into it because I'm so happy to have him here. The great and powerful. Milo Ventimiglia finally joins us on Independent America. It is like you're pulling. It's like you're pulling the curtain, man. The Wizard of Oz, and there I am. What's up? See, you get the reference. Some people, <laughs> some Hollywood people, don't get the reference. Uh, yeah, but, people don't watch enough classic movies. I was raised on them. What What was your favorite classic movie? You know what, my dad. My dad would always. We would sit down and watch all the uh, classic Universal horror movies. So it was like. Dracula, The Mummy, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, all those ones. And then as I was coming up, it was on the waterfront. You're learning about unions and whatnot. And then, uh, oh, God, Citizen Kane, just this, all the old things. Wizard of Oz, I watched a ton of times, a ton of times. And it's such perfect timing because it's Halloween time. And my mm-hmm. kids have now started to love the Monster Mash song. And uh-huh. my kids, my, my Rider Six, and I have to explain to him Frankenstein in kind of an age-appropriate way. So I was trying to explain to him Frankenstein without saying it's a bunch of body parts that a dude put together. <laughs> so I kind of described him as a robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and my kid is, is fascinated, but I'm thinking about when do I show him Frankenstein? When, the Wizard of Oz. When do I? Because yeah. that's some, the monkey scary. stuff. It's some yeah. scary shit. Yeah. Yeah. But, Even like the right. witch coming down and like the green smoke, all that, man. Yeah. It's you know, it's, it's scary shit. Okay. But it's not scary to be talking to you. I am so happy. You're finally here. Um, I ask everyone, where are you and how are you? Uh, right now I'm sitting in my office in Hollywood. Uh, I'm actually sitting in my partner, Russ's chair because I get better light from a a window looking down uh, the street in Hollywood. Um, and I'm doing good, man. I was really looking forward to this. Uh, a, a bunch of motherfuckers, driving like assholes today, trying to get here. Got out of my house a little, a little later than I wanted construction everywhere, but I made it. I'm here. I'm stoked. That's your life in a nutshell, man. I made it. I'm here. Yeah. I'm stoked. So let me ask you, yeah. some, some folks are watching on video. Um, okay. Behind you is kind of a cactusy looking plant. And then just, a, it looks like a, like a drawing that's just sick. Yeah, what is so, that behind you? So this, uh, this actually was a uh, Dale Kewen original. He's an artist, comic book artist. This was from a comic book that Russ and I produced called Berserker. Um, about uh, a guy who has this Norse blood in him and he goes berserk and he has the strength of like 10 to 20 men and he gets caught up in this big battle war where... Um, berserkers are not born 
in or they they can't be recreated. They're like kind of just born randomly as anomalies, and they're these warring families. And this guy, he's a uh, a war vet, came home from Afghanistan. Um, he's trying to just like live a peaceful life and kind of move on with his life, but yet he has this berserker lineage that just he's sought after by these warring clans, and he just can't get away from it. He's just trying to live a simple life. But so that was a Dale Kuhn original. And that I'm one so right glad there. I asked, by the way, I'm so glad I asked. And yeah. if there was ever a reason for you listening on audio to go look at video, go over our YouTube page and you'll be able to see Milo is putting that back on the shelf now, trying not to get stabbed by what looks like a cactus. Uh, yep. And, and that one's a and, Jeremy Hahn original from the same comic book. I'll, uh, I'll snap photos and send them to you. I love it. I love it. I yeah. love it. It's a great insight to the amazing journey that is your life. I was trying mm. to think about when we first met. And we it, go ahead. You might know when it was. No, I was going to say, man, I, I remember I remember uh, your book being sent to me. And it was right after I got back from um, my first USO tour to Iraq and Afghanistan. And I read it and I was like, oh, man, like I just I, I, I met a thousand of these guys. <laughs> like it was this story with, the, you know, everything that, that you talked about at Chase Ghost. And and then I remember uh, it was uh, Judy. Judy set us up. Judy Ann Williams, right? Yeah. yeah. The great and powerful Judy Ann Williams. So I hope will join us on yep. the show. If you work in a lot of different spaces, you will know she's an incredibly amazing and powerful, also the godfather of my son, a godmother of my son. No kidding. Yep. Yeah, she's, she's, writer's best, godma- she's writer's godmama and she's awesome. And she's just one of those people that connects good people. And I remember, yeah. you know, you and I and Russ and Bowers and others yep. just kind of rolling around LA talking about mm-hmm. stuff and, Early yeah. days, too, because I pulled it up and like you did an IABA event with us back in 2008. And there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of connections to this show in our community. But Henry Rollins, who was a guest on this show, one of the best yeah. guests we ever had, was emceeing the gala. But it was 2008. And, you know, and then you and I were on Morning Joe together in 2009. You were on yep. Morning Joe recently. We'll come back to that. But, yep. you know, I was hooking up with you at a time when frankly, like I felt like I was the only or one of the first next generation vets in Hollywood. Yeah. And you were one of the first, you know, actors and and high profile people to really get behind us. It was at a time when like, it was still mm-hmm. kind of new and risky. Now there's so much content and so many films yeah. and so many influential people. And there's this level of awareness, but like, I remember, you know, you being willing to support us and we'll talk about probably all the reasons why, but mm-hmm. it was early and it was still considered risky. Right. Because the war was still was. Kind of politicized. Bush was kind of still yep. in office or had recently come out of office. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks in Hollywood didn't want to touch it. I remember yeah. being like the I met with Oliver Stone. I met with people and I was like the first post 9-11 vet they had met with. Now there's been mm-hmm. waves of them. But, but I isn't also, that crazy? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Go, yeah, ahead, go ahead. I was also I was also struck by the fact that, you know, Judy Ann said this is a guy who's been on a USO tour. I knew you from Heroes. I was a big fan of Heroes and from the Rocky movie. Um, and, and I was just impressed by your commitment, but also recognition now with hindsight, a lot of folks didn't want to get in then. you, you were into this before it was popular. (laughs) Well, I I feel like, you know, and that's, that's, you're saying a lot of people didn't want to get in on it. It's like, yeah, but what is it? It is a community of people, of men and women that wear a uniform to represent us out in the world stage. How can you not get behind them? How can you not care about them, their experiences? 
I mean, you know, the wild part is in these days, it's cool to support. It's cool to speak up. I mean, back then you were right. It's like we didn't, Twitter wasn't what Twitter was. Instagram wasn't what Instagram was. It's like those things were there, but they weren't quite at the level of platforming. Yeah. So you're just there supporting. Like I always felt like, you know, if I'm in Iraq and Afghanistan on a USO tour, if I'm at a base, if I'm at Walter Reed, it's like, hey, I'm there as an individual trying to make an individual connection with every person I meet and then take that and talk about it. Tell those stories, make sure that there's a light shined back on a group of service members in an all volunteer military and be like, hey, we really need to look out for this group of people. We have to. We have to. You know, and I don't know if it came from hearing my dad's like Vietnam stories and then reading about post-Vietnam and and you know what veterans were like really dealing with and, and the disgust that was kind of pointed at them. And it's like, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm always in awe of service members because like, yeah, you guys don't write the policy. You guys are there to serve. And it's just, it's, it's admirable. It's honorable. And it at times comes with the greatest sacrifice. Mm. Well, and I, I went back and watched the, the introduction you did in 2008 for Carlos mm-hmm. Leon, who was one of our honorees. Mm-hmm. At the time. Yeah. He was a Paralympian. Right. And, yeah. um, you were spot on. And like, you know, I've been doing this long enough now where I used to have to coach some people and educate some people. But the message that you had in that last answer, right, that last exchange mm-hmm. is really similar to where you were back in 2008 because you got it. And you're, you talked very powerfully about your dad who had done two tours in Vietnam. I mm-hmm. love your dad and I always want to send my best to your dad and your yeah. family and your whole crew because they're good people. But I remember, I think in 2008, he was there at the event. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, you got it. And, and frankly, it was before your, you know, your star was rising, not where you are now, mm-hmm. but you know, there was some risk involved and, and there was a learning curve for people, but you were way out there, man. And, and it really, really, and you went over there. I got I always give people credit yeah. on this because there's a lot of people who talk shit to go to Iraq and Afghanistan, especially in those early days when not a lot of people went, Henry went, you went very mm-hmm. small number of people went, that was really significant. Well, the interesting, the interesting thing about it is what I see is a lot of Hollywood tourism. Mm. I see people and maybe, maybe, you know, pegging on Hollywood, that's the wrong thing to do. I think there's a lot of celebrity tourism where they'll want to, they'll have access. Someone, a known person will have access to a world and they go in that world, but then they don't do anything with that experience after the fact. Like, that's the one thing that I recognize about being in Iraq and Afghanistan now multiple times. It's the same as going to a local base outside of New York and spending time with the service members there, like a, a Marine Corps helicopter crew. Yeah, it's like, it's exactly the same. But it's like to go to Iraq and Afghanistan feels like I went to Iraq and Afghanistan. It feels like something that people want to talk about. And it's like, hey, look, that's just a location the people, the service members at these locations are exactly the same, exactly the same. I mean, it's like, you know, wearing the uniform, but I mean, there's a much greater threat. I don't mean to diminish that, um, you know, the combat of war, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would see that happening. I would see that kind of tourism happening and I never liked it. So for me, it's like, if I'm, if I'm invited into a world 
if I'm invited into a space, a location, a group of people, like I'm then we're going to respect my being there and make sure that when I'm talking about it and I'm out in the world talking about it, it's like, I really got to, I really got to, you know, make sure I'm, I'm representing what that experience was and who these people were that I met. Yeah. They're there. I think that's a really great way to, to shape it up. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people who visit and then there are people who get kind of the key and, and get the welcome to be an honorary citizen and come back whenever they want. Right. And yeah. you, know, you and Henry and a couple other folks on this sh- who've been on the show too, are in that really elite class where like, you know, nobody wants to go to the, the Korean DMZ. And Henry's been there. I think he's been to Djibouti. He's been to places that yeah. aren't popular. Those are actually the troops that need someone to come out there, right? Because everybody wanted to go to Iraq and Afghanistan for a time. But yeah. there's also, you know, folks who, who dive into it for maybe a project, but aren't, you know, significantly committed to it. And we had mm-hmm. Bernthal on. We had uh, Peter Berg on. We had, mm-hmm. you know, Jeffrey Wright on. We've had um, folks like that that I think have been also accepted into the community because their commitment is legit. And they yeah. know they're not there for the tourism. They're there for the right reason. And, you know, you're a guy who's still there now. Like we were talking about PTSD. We were talking about the early days of, of VA yeah. reform in 2008. And now here we are, you know, almost two decades later, and we've got to continue the fight. But I want to I want to ask you about, um, you know, Afghanistan. You've been there. You've been mm-hmm. there and you're closely connected to it and you know this community. What were you thinking when you watched the last couple of weeks and how that unfolded as someone who's been there who had skin the game? It, it, was, it, was, it was hard for me to kind of watch everything going on, knowing that it's such a massive move. Um, and also having been there, like I didn't wear the uniform there. My experience is different. Like I was invested in the people that were there you know, um, you Bowers, like a bunch of friends that served a bunch of people that I met through the community. That's what I was thinking of. That's who I was thinking of at, at the end of the day, you know, and then on top of it, just kind of the opportunity that was missed by kind of like big government to, to do something, to, to just have a little forethought to look look beyond the horizon and say, no, we know what's coming. So like, let's really get ahead of this because this is important. This is something we can't forget. And, and sadly right now, I just feel like everybody wants to move past it because of those last days, because of those last deaths, because of just that last feeling of it. But I mean, it's still ongoing. And, and just because let's say it's ended 20 years of war has ended doesn't mean that it's done for the people that experienced it or the Afghanis that are still there experiencing it or the Americans that are still there that are experiencing it. It's like, it doesn't just end cleanly and neatly. So I think for me, I was conflicted because I just, I was honestly just like thinking about people in the community that I'd come across that I knew, you know, and like doing my best to reach out to people I mean, even like I asked my dad about it. I was like, dad, I'm like, you know, like, what do you think? You know? And, and my dad, he was like, you know, look, my, my war was Vietnam like this. He's like, I'm really thinking about the guys and gals that served in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, I can't imagine what they're going through. Actually, I can't imagine what they're going through. I don't want to use, you know, put words into his mouth, but I mean, I think it was just a confusing, conflicting time. And, and I just, I wish 
with everything else in the world, there was just a little forethought. It's like, you know, we put people in positions of, uh, I don't want to say power, but yeah, power, like a job title, you know, Hey, this is your job to manage X, <laughs> go fucking manage it. Make sure it's done right. I guess one thing that even like Russ and I talk about, like not everybody's good at their job and you know, the people that aren't good at their jobs, like well, maybe they should be doing that job. Mm. Mm. I think that's a, your perspective is, is unique and valuable. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, we're starting with a conversation around your dad's experiences mm-hmm. in Vietnam and then communicating ours. And you've always had, you know, part of why you're so successful is you've got this gift for channeling and, and understanding other people's story and other people's pain. Right. And there's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of heartbreak around a lot of this and you have that feel and that understanding and that connection to it. And you're able to communicate it to others in a way that I really do think is unique because, you know, I said this to you before we went hit record. I said, there's a couple of things I believe that you only understand if you've been through them. Right. Yeah. And it's combat mm-hmm. parenthood and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right. You can yeah. talk about it. It can be academic, but how, you know, unless you were alive in the pandemic, yeah. you, you can't understand. But also, but all, but also like, let's, but let's, let's be honest. Like I've only experienced one of those a pandemic. Yeah. But you've experienced the combat. Like, and I think, you know, whether, whether you're in, uh, whether you're a civilian, whether you're somebody mm-hmm. like Zainab Salbi that we had on here, right. Who grew up in yeah. Iraq. Um, I think, you know, seeing it and understanding the fear and like the visceral reactions of what yeah. you can't control you know, anybody who steps in harm's way at that level mm-hmm. understands just maybe yeah. how complicated it all is. Right. And I think once you come back, you know, there's no black and white. There's a lot of gray yeah. and your, your focus on competency, I think, is probably the point that resonates to most of people. You know, Admiral Mullen was on and he said it didn't mm-hmm. have to go this way. They could have managed it better. They could have yeah. gotten more people out. It didn't have to be such a mess. And by the know, way, Admiral Mullen is who I went on my first USO tour with. See, let's play this game because there's a lot of, this okay. is going to be fun. There's a lot of connections to prior guests on this show, mm-hmm. right? And, and you went to Afghanistan also with Jane Horton, who was recently did, on yeah. the show. And you all are My good very friends, good friend, right? Jane. Yep. And yeah, she's yeah, a good friends. American hero, a legend. She, dude, she, she's incredible, man. I mean, you know, I, I remember the first time we met. So when you go on a USO tour, they give you like a little kind of playbook. It's got your schedule. Um, it has a little bio on everybody. And I, I, it's like, I'm on set. I read my call sheet. I want to know my crew. I want to know who's pulling focus on the camera. I want to know who's wheeling the dolly. I want to know who's setting up food and, and, and sweeping the floors and everything. And I, so I read this book when we're on the flight over, like when we're kind of like just about to take off and I'm reading about Jane. I was like, Oh wow. You know, gold star wife. Um, but also like, uh, 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 what is, I, forget, I can't remember her title when she was working at the Pentagon, but like, it was like, it was impressive. Yeah. And then, and then when uh, I remember I met her, we're standing there. I think we were, we might've been on, on the flight, like on the, on air force two with uh, 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 general Dunford. And she's introduced herself and I introduced myself and I was standing with, I can't remember who I stand with, but she goes, yeah, I'm a gold star wife. Do you know what a gold star wife is? And I go, Oh yeah. And person next to me didn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, we're on a USO tour. Like, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> understand. And, and, but it was like, but to Jane, she even told me later on, she goes like, yeah, I can't believe you like knew. And I was like, yeah, I've been in the community for a long time. I understand, you know, it's, and it's, it isn't just, you know, reading something. It's, it's just kind of having a general knowledge about what happens in the community. And, and mm-hmm. 
you know, even the worst. So but yeah, Jane and I, uh, yeah, we, uh, we've definitely bonded, you know, battle buddy. She calls me, um, uh, uh, from, from that trip to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. They, somebody needs to do a movie about Jane Horton. We'll put that in, 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 in the, uh, in the parking lot for later, but I'm mm-hmm, putting that out mm-hmm. to the universe that they're, well, don't put it out too far. Don't don't put it out that too, too far to the universe. <laughs> that might have I wanna, to be. I want to make you know, sure divine and righteous yeah. can work together on a production here at some <laughs> point, right? Uh, but yeah. another prior guest who blew people away is James Laporta, and James yeah. Laporta, who you know is now at the AP, is is you know I I I you guys are similar in that like anybody who knows you in a senior career knows you're busting your ass. And you're yeah. working hard and you're grinding and you put the work in, you put the time in and you do your homework. And Laporte is kind of that kind of guy too. Right. And now he's yeah, finally having much. the success that I think is warranted and, and he's mm-hmm. so productive, but you all linked up on, on the TV show. On right? This Is Us. Yeah. This is yeah. Us, so he, right? he was brought in for season three, um, season three of This Is Us. We were doing a bunch of stuff on Vietnam. And so uh, Tim O'Brien who wrote, things they carry. And then James were brought in just to tell stories and whatnot. And James has since come back, but on set, you know, like we just got to talking and I was like, Hey, here's this guy that I is now, you know, really helping a group of writers and specifically helping my character. And I just take interest because I'm like, well, he seems like an interesting guy. And we just sit and we talk more, you know, and, and it literally goes all the way to, you mentioning him, like, oh, I was just texting with him last night, you know, like, hey, man, come out to California, come hang out a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, James, another, another, another good guy, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, from the community that, um, yeah, cross paths was. And I don't know, it, it's, one, it's one thing too when you meet somebody, it's another moment when you meet someone, you get, you're going to know the rest of your life. Mm hmm. You know, and like, even like, even like you and I, man, like we met, I was like, I'm going to know Paul the rest of my life. So, you know, he's on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast, may not talk all the time, may not see each other all the time, but like, I'm going to know this guy the rest of my life. Those are wonderful moments. And like, Mm. Jane is one, James is one. Um, I mean, a few others, I'm sure you're going to mention too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, if I look at the folks that come out of the Hollywood and active and creative world that have been as part of this show, I think it would make a hell of a movie. If or, or, or whatever we did, like, it'd be like a reinvention of Reservoir Dogs. But if we were able to get you and uh, and and Bernthal, who was on the show, yeah. John Bernthal, who's who's another badass, Johnny's uh, the best, right? And uh, we had Bradley Whitford on last week. Yep, Bradley's and you were going to sort of tell me a Bradley. You met him at one point. You went, you went yeah, to that well, store. I mean, listen, like I'd always been like a big fan of his, and I was doing a movie in Vancouver, and I'm getting out of a a, a I think, you know what? I got my transpo dude. He dropped me off my, uh, coming off a set a block away from where I was living. I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to hop out here. And so I hop out and I see Bradley Whitford just standing there. And I was just like, and I just walk up and say, Hey man, I'm, I'm a big fan. He's like, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 No, no, no. You're. And I, I, listen, I, I never, believe that anyone's going to know who I am or anything. But like, I think at that point you like found like common ground, like, Oh, you're an actor too. Oh, I know you. Oh, you're from the, Oh yeah. Yeah. And like had a quick conversation. Then I was like, Hey man, I'm a huge fan. I just like walked away. And that's then I saw very, you like did some. Yeah. That's a very good Bradley Whitford impression. Actually. <laughs> I think that's, that was very good. That was very good. And then yeah. I hope another guy who will rejoin us soon is Jeffrey Wright. 
And like, yeah. if you think about this crew, if you all in one movie or thing, anything would be pretty badass. But he's got the new James Bond movie coming out. Yeah. And he and I are going to be working on season two of a project with Vice called While the Rest of Us Die. But didn't you tell next me time you had a, you're, next, had time, you're, next time you're with next time you're with uh, Jeffrey, just ask him uh, what it's like to follow Nicole Kidman on a uh, photo line. What is that? You got to tell us what that what means. What is that like? you know this. Okay, well, my, my, yeah, wife, yeah. my wife worked at CAA for a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, a lot of times people thought I was security at things. And she'd be working with high profile clients. And I would occasionally see you guys at stuff. And if I wore a dark suit, everybody would ask yeah. me where the bathroom was all night long. So like, <laughs> you know, I never wore a black shirt, but, yeah. but I saw that world. So yeah. take us inside the world of Milo and Jeffrey Wright on a red carpet. So this was, this was, uh, two two or well three years ago now 20 had to been 2018 at the emmys jeffrey and i are both nominated um we're waiting for the photo line where there's all the photographers there taking all the press photos and whatnot and we're both waiting and like i've known jeffrey through other mutual friends for a long time and we're just catching up and then somebody says to us um excuse me gentlemen um will you mind terribly if nicole kidman jumped ahead of you she's presenting first and they're asking for her inside I'm like no of course and like i work with nicole i think he knows nicole so like nicole breezes past hey jeffrey hey milo oh my god good to see you, you know like quick little thing and then she like walks ahead of us and then basically what they do is they stagger you so about you know 15 feet away you're kind of following the person next to you and there's these little spots where you got to go and stand so that all the photographers have a nice angle to photograph you so <laughs> I think Jeffrey, I was like, no, no, please go ahead. Jeffrey went after Nicole and he was invisible. I mean, she was at the end of the, the carpet and the photographers from the beginning of the carpet were still photographing her. And Jeffrey's just like looking back at me and he's like, what do you think, my, how do you feel invisible? Like how, how, how good does it feel to be invisible? I don't know, it, was just, it was a funny, it was a funny moment. Every time I see him now, he's like, thank God, Nicole Kidman's not here to make us feel invisible. Well, that. I've seen, I understand it. I get it. She part in the Red it. Sea, right? And uh, oh man, and, you and know we what? should add we should add Nicole Kidman to this film that we're creating. This project, <laughs> we'll throw her in too. Since we do it, but totally. since we're on the topic of the entertainment business and how yeah. you've done things your own way, you guys have you know gotten into projects you and Russ that you wanted to do, but you're also you know close to vets. You're close to working people. We're having this conversation. In, in, you know, at a time when there might be one of the biggest strikes to ever hit Hollywood. We talked about it last week with, with Bradley. Um, but the, the IATSE, the IATSE, I think yeah. IATSE is going to potentially go on strike for the first time in a hundred years. So yeah. what's, your, what's your thoughts on, on this situation? Uh, I'm waiting for a stick and a poster to go walk and strike with them. Hmm. Listen, I mean, the thing is this, you know, the IATSE, they're a, to, to boil it down in simple terms, it's your hair and makeup, it's your it's your grip and electric, it's your it's your crew, it's your costumes, it's it's your crew, everyone that is there that is making the show that is not in front of the camera that is not in the office writing, they're part of the IATSE, and they get worked to the bone. I mean, really to the bone, and and what they are asking for is just basic common decency with, you know, turnarounds and money and, and, and uh, for what they put in, they are way beyond deserving what they're asking for. 
So when they authorized the strike, and it was like a 98.2% authorization, which is massive, because if, if they strike, this is actually the, the important thing for people to know. If they strike, they're not working. If they're not working, they're not making money. These are people in a position, crew in a position that they get paid when they work. They don't have a salary job. They can't take off. If they take off one day, one week, whatever, it really hurts them, really hurts them. So it's a big deal for them to say, we're not working until we get the best working conditions that we think we deserve, that we know we deserve. And they're getting a lot of support because everybody, everybody knows it. You know, mm -hmm. actors, writers, you know, I think producers have to struggle with what is dictated by the studios. But really, it's the studios. You know, I, I think I saw there's a lot of conversation. The producers need to do this. Producers need to do that. It's the studios. And these mm. studios, they make a lot of money. They make a lot of money off the hard work of these people. And the thing is like, hey, they can make that money. They give the jobs. But I think in basic decency, they need to understand the, the toll it takes on these crews. So I'm, I'm all for... Uh, them striking. I hope the studios come to their senses quickly and don't, uh, don't keep everybody out of work and try and prove a point or try to wear everyone down because they've got the biggest bank accounts. Um, that would be a huge travesty. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I'm all for it. Give, give me a, give me a fucking stick. Call me Norma Ray. <laughs> That's powerful, man. And I think it's it's mm -hmm. kind of a reckoning, it seems like, that's long overdue. And so many of these folks have also been hit hard by COVID, right? When they're shutting down oh, yeah. sets and, and production schedules are disrupted. So the risk they're taking is huge. You know, when I was growing up, my dad was in the union and then he went over to management. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, what, he worked for a utilities company. So I remember what strike life was like, right? And then my brother is still in the mechanics union yeah. now. So when they go on strike, you know, it... it uh, you know, there's no food coming on the table. So I think it's a yeah. really pivotal moment in the midst of all these other political debates. Like this is a defining moment for unions too, like the mm -hmm. power of unions in America and for them to have you and Bradley and so many other people out in front at a time also when, you know, content is cranking, you know, Netflix is, is growing everything, the, the mm -hmm. influence and people want this content, especially after COVID. I'm glad they're strategically focusing on this moment because this might be a once in a lifetime moment. And yeah. to have your support and others is, is going to be critical. It's going to be well, a reality TV show. I mean, a, a docu-series, something, but I think it goes back to what's right. You know, yeah. a, a lot of, a lot of people do things for a lot of different reasons. I have always been, well, what's, what's right. What's the right thing to do? You know, and it doesn't matter if you got 10 people against you and you're the only person saying, uh, hold on a second, wait a minute. That's not right. How are we going to fix this? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of what's right. So to that point, when you look at what's happening in Washington right now, you mm -hmm. know, this is, uh, and, and I think that, that last issue is important because this is independent Americans. You know, a lot of people are unaffiliated. You know, I, I, you know, go right of center on some things. I go left of center mm -hmm. on some things, but I think the importance of, of, of protecting workers and, and understanding their, their essential nature to everything we do has really kind of been lost. And maybe that's an outcome of the pandemic where people appreciate teachers more, they appreciate doctors more, they appreciate mm -hmm. bus drivers more, right? Um, but there's still this, you know, catastrophic dysfunction back in Washington. You're involved in all these issues, you're involved in all these causes. 
What, what's your take, man? I mean, on every, everything from, you know, an insurrection to now gridlock with mansion and cinema. Hmm. What's your take on the lay of the land? It's, it's, it's hard to have a true comment on it, not being completely caught up and educated in, in all the specificity of it. There is so much that I would need a political science degree to really, truly get it. Like there, there are moments where I got to look up, you know, hey, let me Google filibuster. Hey, let me Google this. Let me like actually, you know, look for what is this simple man's term that I need to understand what's happening in our larger government. And I, I don't know what the solutions are. I don't know what the answers are, but I think what it means for me personally is like, I can't take my foot off the gas just because I feel like there's such a, a steep incline to a battle. You know, it's like, no, man, you find your way up a mountain. You got to do it. You know, the, the, something that, I, that I've kind of had in my head for a very long time, we're always going to have roadblocks. We're always going to have roadblocks. And sometimes when there's a roadblock, you got to find a way to go around it. Sometimes you got to find a way to go over it. If you can't go over or around it, sometimes you just got to fucking go through it. You know, put your head down and you got to keep beating on that wall until it falls down. You know, and, and I, and I kind of feel like no matter what's going on in bigger government, the things that are important to me, I'm always going to find a way. Like when I was a kid, you know, I got, I got tested for like honors programs. My mom and dad threw me through this, this program. And what they found was not that I was naturally inherently smart, like a bunch of other kids, like studious smart, but they found that I would outwork them by three times. So that's always been where I hang my hat in terms of getting things done. It's like, no, I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to find a way to do it. I'm going to work harder than anybody else to do it. So, you know, government and the problems, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, you know, several drops of water with several ripple effects that are all bouncing off of one another. And it's like, what's really true? What's really happening? You know, I, I think what I hope is seeing everything going on in government these days, it's inspiring younger kids, like younger than us, like your children, who look at things and go, wait, mommy, daddy, what, what are they talking about? What does that mean? And they take the interest and then it spins them in that direction of, hey, how do I make things right? Not just with the social posts, not with an Instagram post, not by, you know, just, I don't know. I, I, not, not just by like going out to a march, which are all important things to do to support the larger mission of, hey, put the right people in power, put the right people in government, mm. you know, people that are truly representing the individuals that they were elected by. Mm. I don't yeah, know. And, it's, it's tough. And put, in, and put in the work, right? Like that, that's where yeah. I think you're one of the guys that's been in the fights right? Mm -hmm. For a long time, you're not just a tourist. You understand it's not just about popping a, you know, a selfie on Instagram or showing up at an event. You got to like keep the grind, right? Especially yeah. when it comes to policy change. You've seen that working with us yep. at IBA, being a part of the USO. And now, you know, coming full circle, you know, 2009, you and I are on Morning Joe. You know, last mm -hmm. month, you're on Morning Joe with Jane on another issue that similarly seems frustrating, right? We, back yeah. when I was at IBA, we said early on, like, there's going to be a time where we need a memorial the post 9-11 memorial on the mall yep. for a lot of reasons, not just, and I didn't really always get it, but I think the thing that someone explained to me is it wasn't about us. It was about the high school kids and the international people and whoever else came yeah. through our capital to understand our history and having yeah. a place where my grandfather used to always say, um, 
you know, he was pissed off that the World War II veterans had to raise money for the World War II memorial. And he said, I'm yeah. not going to live to see it. And he was right. He died before it was built. And now mm -hmm. we're in a situation where we're demanding a global war on terror is the term they're using on the mall. Um, mm -hmm. There is resistance. And I think even beyond that, I don't, there's going to have to be private funding to fund this. And that's, people are mm -hmm. touting that like that's a good thing. But I also think that's fucking ridiculous that we yeah. have to go raise money out in the space. But you've been great about it. You went on Morning Joe with Jane. You've been mm -hmm. um, passionately supporting this and amplifying it in a way that we need to get mm -hmm. people's attention. Why, why is this important? To uh, I mean, it's important for so many reasons. It's not just the, the school kids and people coming to learn about our American history. It is about you and other veterans that served. It is about your children being able to go and, you know, you being able to say to your kids, pointing out a name or two on the wall, and saying, I knew them. Let me tell you about them. Like my dad did that. I, I, I went to the traveling Vietnam Memorial Wall when it was just touring around the country with my dad. My dad asked me if I'd go with him. Didn't ask my mom, he asked me. Um, and so that was the first time like I saw, and I knew about his friends that died over there. But then when I went myself and saw the actual Vietnam Memorial Wall, the first thing I did was look at my dad's friends and I was with two, two or three of my uh, filming crew on this stuff. So I'm like, wait, where are we going? Just follow me. Actually, I don't think I said, follow me. I just was go. And they just kind of were along. <laughs> and I went and I saw the names of my dad's friends that, that died over there. And I know like they definitely died in place of my father. Like I wouldn't be around without these two men, you know? So I think there's several reasons of why it needs to be recognized in the proper place. Um, so just a real quick history. If anybody doesn't quite understand it in two, in 2017, it was approved by Congress. It was uh, a sponsored bill, co-sponsored bill by Senator Joe Manchin to say, Hey, we need a global war on terrorism memorial, the GWAT. So that was in 2017. Nothing's happened since 2017 with it. The holdup on placement is because of a 2003 congressional bill that closed the reserve on the National Mall. So you can't put any memorial or monument on that hollowed ground anymore. So now they're looking at Area 1 and whatever, but everyone that's involved in the community, everybody that's, that's had some kind of tie to Iraq and Afghanistan, to the global war on terrorism, is like, wait a minute, if you're telling us that we have to put a memorial next to Arlington and not where Vietnam, World War II, Korean War, all the major wars that we have as a country have fought in. What the politicians, what Congress is ultimately doing is diminishing that war, diminishing Iraq and Afghanistan, diminishing the men and women that fought and came back and really knocking the honor of those that went and died over there. And I said that <laughs> to Senator Joe Manchin in a Zoom with him three weeks ago. And he sat there just like you just kind of sat and he just kind of like shook his head and like he really took it in. And I was on a call with a bunch of Gold Star wives and a Gold Star daughter and a Gold Star father. So for me, you know, it's, it's personal because of my connection to the community. Again, I think because I've been there a couple of times, because I still continue to cross paths with uh, veterans or active duty that have some kind of connection to Afghanistan and Iraq. And for me, it's just, 
again, I don't like taking my foot off. So when I even hear something encouraging, like, hey, Congress hears us, you know, Jane and I are out doing morning Joe. I'm out tweeting. We're out doing things. We're having calls. We're reaching out to senators personally, and they're picking the phones up. Like I can't, I've talked to a bunch of senators recently from a lot of different places. And I mean, who am I? I'm just, I'm just a concerned citizen, you know? And I think that's, that's the thing that we all, or that I'm trying to convey and get other people to recognize is, Hey, you don't like something going on. Call your representation, Mm -hmm. call your congressman, call your congresswoman, call your senators, talk to their chief of staff, talk, Mm -hmm. like understand the structure of who these people are and how you can get that influence into them strategically targeted and just do it. Like, this is something I think needs to be done. And I'm like, I'm not going to stop until it's done right. And placement on the mall is like the most important thing. And that's the fact that you are talking about it is putting mm-hmm. it on the radar in the same way we yeah. have, you know, John Stewart blew yep. up the Zadroga, right. And blew up 9-11 yep. uh, mm-hmm. health issues. And now he's doing it with burn pits, especially in the last week. Like yep. you, you're, you're amplifying this in a way that we can't. And it's, yeah. it's a perfect synergy and what we need, but also, you know, it's inferior. It's a great example of how our government doesn't work right now, because mm-hmm. if, if you don't want to put a memorial on the mall, then don't start a fucking war. <laughs> like it should go in the initial in the initial. I've always argued once we send them to war. OK, lay out the VA allocation for all the PTSD yep. and everything else. Yep. Lay out a spot on the mall. You know, and if you want to keep going to war, you got to make a bigger mall. Right. By because the way, Paul, that's the Paul, you know what that you know what that is? You know what that is? Looking beyond the horizon. Yeah. Looking beyond the horizon and like yeah. seeing those problems that are coming. It's like basically yeah. like everybody needs to turn into Neo from the Matrix. Like you see what's coming <laughs> and you're able to like duck and dodge yeah. it or take the hits because you, you know, you yeah. got the proper, proper uh, gear on. But, but we put it, you know, we put it in the IBA policy agenda. I don't know when, like probably back in like 2008, 2009, in part because the Vietnam veterans like Jan Scruggs and others said, start now. Mm-hmm. They said, yeah. start now because it's probably going to take you 25 years. And they're going to yeah. be resistant. And they walked us through it. And credit to Jan Scruggs. And we had Wayne Smith on this show. You know, mm-hmm. Wayne told me a story about people assume the Vietnam Wall was just a given. You know, he told me a story about walking into Congress and World War II veterans saying to him, we're never going to make a, a memorial for you all who were the first generation to lose a war. They said that. Right. They said, we're not going to make a memorial for you because you lost this war. And that oh. was the kind of resistance they got, not to mention the anti-war you know, divide and issue around, you know, the actual construction of it. But there was a lot of resistance in part from veterans too, right? Mm -hmm. Institutional resistance from people who did not want to acknowledge that war in that generation. And I remember being in eighth grade, my eighth grade class trip, we went to Washington. It was the first time I saw the wall. I touched the wall, changed my Mm -hmm. life forever. Right. And it it communicated what my dad and, and your dad's generation never could. So it has to happen. You're the guy to ramp it up. So was there any senator that like that you talked to that impressed you that actually didn't senator, sound like they were bullshitting you? And, and dude, Senator Ernst of Iowa, honest to God, man, like, so, so she's a combat vet. She yep. was, she, so there's a bill S five thirty five right now in the Senate. So what that bill is basically it, it is a single, single cell bill. Single cell is my word, but it's this, this bill that basically says, Hey, we as a Senate approve opening the 2003 ruling of closing the reserve and taking the GWAT and putting it on the mall and then just closing it. 
We want to take this thing. We want to do it. it. Has nothing to do with infrastructure. Has nothing to do with anything else. It's like right. it is a singular issue. Senator Joni Ernst on the floor two weeks ago went down and she proposed a bill, and she said, "Does anybody object?" Senator Manchin objected, and it was so like for, wait, for Senator, all the people but, out there. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So so basically, I mean, the, the wild part is he was he was a, a sponsor of the bill in. Um, 2017 co-sponsor and then in 2021 he blocked it you know so how wh- how or why at this point it doesn't even matter because i mean again that's politics and you don't understand it but what i look at is like hey how do we actually continue conversation with him to get him to understand the importance of this the importance of it to a generation of war fighters a generation of of um gold star families, a generation that needs to be educated to war. Cause you can't just be like, Oh, it happened. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Instagram blogger and it has no impact on me. So, no, it all kind of does. It all works mm-hmm. together. You got to understand the history of it. So, you know, I, I understand there's a lot of like malice toward the Senator right now. And it's like, Hey, I, I'm not happy that he blocked it two weeks in a row. I'm not, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you can't just like, just go like bash on the dude and rip on the dude and, and ask certain questions. Like, no, you gotta, again, you gotta find a way to work with him. Yeah. To bring him in. I will, and the way, and the I, way, and the way to yeah. do that is like, Oh, you get, you call his friends. Yeah. You yeah. call his friends. You call the other senators. Everybody who watches this is us in West Virginia needs to put pressure on this guy. Right. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm less uh, accommodating of mansion because what I, I've worked with, with you know, with mansion, you know, uh, in rooms with mansion. And what I think people are seeing is the true mansion, which is not necessarily principled, sometimes just dumb. Like he doesn't yeah. actually make a really good argument about why not. Like, you know, informed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's my thing. I'm, and I'm okay to criticize him on that because I've seen it time and time again. And whether it's his rationale on the infrastructure bill, which you might say, okay, it needs to be smaller. But this is another example where I think it's a leadership failure. He, he's not solving it. He's slowing it down. He's he's the fly in the ointment. And sometimes it's because he seems to like it. So I don't have a lot of patience yeah. for him right now. And on the flip side, I'm encouraged by Joni Ernst because Joni Ernst as a Republican and Tammy Duckworth as a Democrat are finding yep. ways to work together. And another example is the Afghanistan investigations. The same two are now calling for yep. investigations of Afghanistan and they're giving us well, some hope for Washington. And, and, and that, and that, that right there, you're right. They're giving hope for Washington. Cause I mean, listen, you know, like you, you, you can be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, but no matter what, it's like, these people need to work together. So when someone is just so flatly on one side and not willing to hear, I mean, they're, they're the, you know, that three monkey statue, deaf, dumb, and blind. Yeah. They're not willing to work. Like, hey, I may not agree with a lot of people that, that think differently than me, but I'm willing to hear them. I'm always willing to have a conversation. And, and again, can't go around the wall. You can't go over the wall. Sometimes you got to go through the wall. Mm. And, you know, I, there's a big takeaway here that, you know, Milo's coming. And uh, he's, you know, he, if he's in the matrix or whatever it is, like he keeps getting better. <laughs> and like, you know, I, I'm not going to take any credit, maybe a tiny bit of credit. Like, you now know bill numbers, you know how this yeah. works. Right. And you learned all that, you know, in the first couple of rounds back when we started this and you mm-hmm. were a quick yeah. study and you put the homework in, and you did your work and you're pulling up bill numbers. And that's why you're effective because you put the work in, you do your homework, you're focused, you're relentless. And that's what we need, especially in this political environment to get shit done. And really in any environment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The tenacity is what takes you through. So 
If you have a minute afterward, I want to ask you the iconic questions afterward that we'll bring over to Patreon about your first car, you know, your preferred (laughs) drink of choice, waffles, pancakes, Patreon members. We'll bring that over there if you're a member. But let me ask you this. You've been through a lot, Milo, and Mm -hmm. you represent and play characters that have been through a lot. Um, What for people who are struggling, you're 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 a role model for them. Um, you're also in a unique position to bring people together. People of all political yeah. backgrounds are fans of your work and are going to follow mm-hmm. you. You know, if, if you have advice for the people who are grinding it out, who are struggling, maybe someone who was like you 20 years ago, um, what's your, what's your advice? I mean, that's, I, I think advice for someone who's grinding it out and struggling. Part, part of that is no, you're not alone. You may feel alone. You may feel like you're the only one having this experience, living this experience, but you're not. And that's not to take away from it. We all have unique experiences, but find a community that will listen as well as make sure you're speaking up in a way that isn't just to be on a soapbox, but you're also trying to contribute, you know, and you're really truly listening to what else is going on. Because I know there's a lot of people that wait to talk or sorry, they, 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 they just waiting, they're just waiting to talk, you know, and they're not really paying attention to what's going on on the other side. So I think, I think that's important. Um, and gosh, I don't know, just, 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 just don't stop. If you got something in your heart to do it, don't stop. I mean, I, Russ kind of jokes about this where he tells people Milo hears no more than anybody else that I know. And as an actor, sure, it's like people tell you, no, you're not right. No, you're not. Um, you know, your hair is not blonde. You're not tall enough. Uh, you're too old. You're too young. You're, you're too tall. You're too this. It's like they're all, there's going to be a million reasons of no. But it's like you also you can't let that in fact, in, in, infect your own self-worth mm. or your own desire to do something, to contribute. You know, so I think those are things that maybe people should, should always consider. It's like, Hey, you have the strength. We all have the strength within us. It just takes little determination. It takes little knowledge. It takes a little, well, not a little, a lot of effort, but also don't be afraid of the effort. The effort is wonderful. I love that. I love that. And I've, what I've seen too is, is the effort is important, but also the integrity, you know, in a job mm-hmm. like yours, oh, yeah. time, time again, my friend, Teddy Sears, I've known for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. Me. Teddy's good. You know, dude. He, Right. I, I always used to say, you know, Teddy looks like a lot of other dudes, but Teddy's a good dude. And I would mm-hmm. rather be in a room with Teddy than a lot of other people. And he's yep. a good person. He's a kind person. He cares. And you're the same kind of person that you care and you're kind. You have character. You give back. And if it's two dudes, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to pick. They're going to pick the person that cares and has the heart. And that's a lesson that I want people to understand, too. You don't have to be tenacious yeah. at the expense of being good. And yeah. you're, you're a great example of that. Any, you know, well, this I, is us. I, I was, I, I was going to say, I'm like, I, you know, I, if, if acting went away from me tomorrow, it's cool. I'll go do something else. But like you're saying, it's like, you can't lose your, your integrity as a person, as a man, as, as an individual contributing to, to life. This is us is one of my mother's favorite shows. And I mm-hmm. love it too. But my mother just would always be talking about this show and she'd be like, your friend Milo is so good. And, yeah. You know, and uh, that show has given a lot of people a lot of hope and, and, and support really mm-hmm. in a really, really important time. Um, for the folks that, that love that show or listening to this show, maybe because they're fans of you and fans of that show 
any insight you want to share? I know you probably can't do any spoilers. I'll ask you to do anything you want, but anything that, um, that you want to share about anything having to do with the show that maybe you think is important that maybe you haven't I, talked I, about before. Mm, maybe I'm going to repeat myself and it could turn into something more, but I'm always grateful that it starts a conversation with people and continues a conversation and in a, a dialogue in their own lives. You know, I think we all on the show know the stories we're telling and their stories are fictional, but they're all based on some kind of truth that came from the writer's room, came from the head of Dan Fogelman or other people. But to see it transfer over and an audience member watching it, a fan of the show and saying, wow, man, like, yeah, I kind of had a rough time with my dad and alcoholism, or maybe like, Hey, you know, I kind of struggled with, you know, body issues or, Hey, you know, I'm adopted. And, and your show really gave me a point of view and a perspective that I hadn't considered. And then, well, I talked to my adopted parents and, you know, then I talked to my spouse and then I talked to my kids, just the conversation that continues to happen, the dialogue that happens because of a piece of art. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. It's ongoing. You know, it's not just, again, just people just swiping through, flipping through, scrolling through things. It's like they're really letting it soak into their being and get into their DNA. And I think that's just like a really wonderful, wonderful thing. Hmm. So, you know, that's, I think that's been the, 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 the greatest joy of the end of the experience for me. And I want to say the end of the experience, like, you know, Hey, we make it. That's for me and my crew. That's for, for everyone that's involved in producing it, you know, um, we have a good time. We have a great time, but the end of the experience, you know, the show that goes out to the greater, greater world, it's like, it's just, it's wonderful that it impacts people mm. and it makes them consider and think outside of their own little blinders that are placed on them where they only want to sit there and reflect on, well, how does something impact me? How does this affect me? Take them off, man. There's a big wide world out there. Like just pay mm. attention, pay attention. That's something my grandfather used to always tell me is pay attention. And I told, I was teaching my son that just this week, but you know, you're a fighter, man, from your very mm -hmm. early role, right? Like all the way through, there's like a constant, you know, theme of being a fighter and understanding, you know, what it means to fight and to push and to love. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, that role in particular is just, I'm so glad it's you. Uh, Thanks, and man. as your friend also, I'm just so <laughs> fucking proud of you and so excited Thank for you. you. And as a fighter, you're a fighter. I think everybody roots for, and the more they get to know you, the more they want to root for you. So I'm so happy about the success that you've had because it's I, knowing you, I know it's also not just your success and your dad and your whole family are so proud. And all of us, you know, who've known you over the years are so proud and grateful. Thanks, man. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful you're still in the fight because we're going to need you now more than ever. And if maybe we'll do, you know, our version of the Avengers with all y'all who've been on this show. And uh, that will be, you know, we could call it like the bodyguards of Nicole Kidman. I don't know what we call them, but get all the you Warriors. guys together for one, it, it, for yeah. one show and Laporta can write it, but it would be a hell, a hell of a reunion, but I'm thankful for you, my friend, for all that you do and all that you are and for joining me and just for having our back so many times. Dude, likewise, Paul, always, always, man, been, been, been a long time, you and I. So yeah, I'm always, uh, almost always here for you, man. I'm grateful for you too. All right. Onward and upward. Stay vigilant, my friend. All right, buddy. There he is. Rocky Balboa Jr. Peter Petrelli. Jack Pearson. He even played Evil Knievel once. 
He was also the voice of Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine. He was in a video with Fergie, Big Girls Don't Cry. Remember that? And he was party guest number one in an episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in 1995. But there he is. Root for that guy. He's a good one. And I'm honored that he's my friend. And I'm glad I could bring him to you in this episode. Milo's a true helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers. You know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. My deepest thanks to my buddy Milo for joining me. And my thanks to his family, especially his dad, and to Russ and the whole crew. And watch his show. Watch everything he's in. Follow him on Twitter. Help him and all of us get this memorial built on the mall. And maybe go back and try to find that episode he's in in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And just imagine if we actually made an independent American Super Friends movie. We'd have Milo. We'd have Bradley Whitford, Jeffrey Wright, Wes Chatham, John Bernthal, Jane Horton, James Laporta, and Henry Rollins. And we could throw in Mick Foley and Sarah Jessica Parker and Stephen Colbert and Samantha Bee and Peter Berg and Rosie Perez and Chuck D. With cameos from Norman Lear and Jason Alexander and even some non-actors like Flo Groberg and Montel Williams and Zainab Salbi and Mike Shinoda and who else? I don't know, but that would be a damn good movie and a damn good party. So tell me, who were your top five guests of all time from this show that you would like to be in a super movie with Milo Ventimiglia? Tell me on Twitter or any social media, what's your starting five for the Independent Americans all-time great list? This is going to be fun, and maybe we'll actually try to get them all together someday. That'll be fun, and hopefully you can join us. But my thanks to all those folks. After 135 episodes, you've all helped build this show, and we got many more to come. And as you look back on all those episodes, there's one in particular I want to point your attention to, one that I hope that you'll like. With all the Facebook news, go back and check out my 2020 conversation with the former global head of elections integrity operations at Facebook and former CIA officer Yale Eisenstadt. It's episode 43. Maybe you remember it. If you never heard it, go back and check it out. But after leaving the CIA, Yao went to Facebook, a role she quickly left after facing huge resistance to change inside the tech titan. She'd go on to reveal her CIA experience in a powerful op-ed in the New York Times where she blasted President Trump for politicizing her and her colleagues. But she's taken on Al-Shabaab militants, and she's taken on Donald Trump, and she's taken on Mark Zuckerberg. Episode 43, Yale Eisenstadt, go check it out. She's one of many who've been trying to warn us, but maybe one of the most effective that's been trying to warn us about Facebook. So I'll have to put her in that movie too. My thanks to Yael for her continued courage. And speaking of courage, my own family, of course, my wife, and my two fiery, hilarious, exhausting boys. So I built a trampoline last weekend. Yes, the day finally came and I built a trampoline. It took me about four hours and I got it done just before sunset. It was man versus trampoline. My biggest dad challenge since the crib. Or maybe 
the Barbie dream house, or maybe the Power Wheels dune buggy, or anyway, I posted my progress on Instagram and Twitter, and I asked you to wish me luck and to send advice and beer, and you gave me lots of advice. Maybe the best advice at all was to hire somebody else to do it. Those of you that know me said, call your brother and have him do it since he's a mechanic, but four hours later, it was done, except for the netting. I did that the next day, and the kids loved it. Then... It rained for four days, and it's been raining here ever since. The boys have had to look out the window at that trampoline for four days. But my wife and my boys and I, I actually make the weight limit, finally have a trampoline. So happy October, boys, and happy October to all of you. I hope life is good wherever you are. Up here in the Northeast, it's a special time. October is great, and mountain life is good. And Halloween is coming. So let's play another game. Guess my costume. Every year, I go all in on Halloween, and this year, me and the family are going to do it again. So guess my costume. Guess it on social media, and you will win a prize. And I'm going to thank you in advance for playing. And my thanks and special shout-out, of course, to our fearless Patreon members. And in particular, I want to call a couple of them out. Anna Frula, who was so stoked about Bradley Whitford. She said she just watched him play another asshole in Flax, but realized he is such a lovely person. He really is a lovely person. If you didn't check out the last episode with Bradley Whitford, go check it out. If you're a Milo Ventimiglia fan and you're here for the first time, definitely go back and check out Bradley Whitford and join our Patreon membership, along with Mike Tipton, who continues to be amazing, Kathy Appenrod and Mark Reed, Grace Lutterick, and so many others. Thank you to all of you. You continue to support this show. And because you are Patreon members, you will get extra content with Milo. He is over there for Patreon members only with a special segment of extra content. He's going to tell you his favorite drink. He's going to share what music he's listening to, his very first car, and, of course, pancakes versus waffles. It's a really good one, again, but it's a very good answer to pancake versus waffles, and it will include me and Milo talking about roaming around L.A. and where we used to go for pancakes. But if you're not a Patreon member, please join our growing insurgent army of independence. You get exclusive access. We'll have events exclusively for members of our Patreon community. There's a couple of levels, but for just five bucks, you can get access to that really cool crew and get exclusive content. And you help us keep the lights on and keep this show going. So my thanks to all of you. My thanks, of course, to the Righteous Media team. A team of kick-ass, dedicated fighters, people who continue to bring you this great content, especially creative Chris Rosenthal, who's an incredible dude, brilliant Bill Schultz, who was on vacation this week and still helped us get this show off the ground. Bill, I hope you had a great vacation. Precise Paula Hernandez, who continues to dot the I's and cross the T's. They all make this show and everything we do at Righteous Media possible which of course includes our other shows. Everybody and their mother has a podcast. Go check that out everywhere you get the podcast and everywhere you get this. And of course, check out The Firefighters with Rob Sarah. A new episode hits every Friday. And if you didn't check out Rob's last episode, you gotta go check it out. Episode four with Diane Cotter. He took you inside the fight to protect firefighters from cancer. Firefighters are getting cancer from harmful chemicals in their gear. And Diane Cotter is a true hero, an advocate, a champion. Her husband was a career firefighter in Worcester, Massachusetts. For those of you that never lived or 
Went to Massachusetts. It's Worcester, Massachusetts. It's not Worcester, but it's Worcester, Mass. But Diane's husband bravely fought in the Worcester cold storage and warehouse fire in 1999. And maybe as a result of it, he formed a lot of close relationships with the FDNY firefighters, but he also got sick. And he was fighting for his life and on the edge of despair, all because of the chemicals in his gear. The same chemicals that are still in the gear of firefighters across America right now. So if you care about firefighters, if you're a firefighter, if you're interested in firefighters, you got to go check out the latest episode of The Firefighters with Rob Sarah. It's episode four. Listen, subscribe, and spread the word. It's 100% free, just like this show, and it's part of the growing Righteous Family of podcasts. We've got at least three other podcasts coming this year, so stay tuned as the Righteous Media Network continues to grow anywhere you get podcasts or check out Righteous.us. And if you like this show, please support us. Go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. If you don't want to be a Patreon member, if you don't want to listen to any ads, just go over there and give us five stars. Do me a solid and subscribe for free and share, but give us a rating. Give us five stars. Now, I will tell you, not everyone does, but I do read the comments over there. Someone named Lefty from Oregon said, lost listener. Paul says he's an independent, but his Republican roots are starting to show. Too bad. He used to be enjoyable. Well, thank you for your feedback. And then we had another perspective from Wakefoot, who said, left-wing douchebag see the title so you know i get called a right winger and then i get called a left winger in the same comment section so maybe i'm doing something right well tyler oakley thought so tyler oakley left this comment and said this is true patriotism this podcast community is not the type of terrorist january 6 vibes i was expecting i felt as if i couldn't be a proud american or associate myself with my military background or even be grateful to be an American at all because I didn't want to be labeled a racist or a bigot. But I'm none of those things. And Paul and his guests have made me realize that. We are here to unite, love, and speak up about human rights. And this podcast gave me hope for our country as well as a voice to speak up about it. So Tyler Oakley, wherever you are, thank you. Thank you for that comment. Thank you to all of you for your comments. The good ones, the bad ones, especially the good ones. But thank you for listening. Whether you love us or hate us, I'm glad you're listening. And you can go deeper. Visit us on social media and, of course, check out independentamericans.us. You can see the video of my entire conversation with Milo. If you are a Milo fan, you want to see the video. You want to see the drawings on his wall. You want to see his handsome face. So go over to independentamericans.us or find us on YouTube. But at independentamericans.us, you can also get the Righteous Media gear, the t-shirts you can get independent americans t-shirts you can get the cool flex fit caps that would look good on milo look good on you look good on anyone but check us out over at independentamericans.us everywhere on social media and especially on youtube and when you're on social media every wednesday you can guess the guest this time for milo as of my recording time at like 11 at night on wednesday nobody had gotten it yet but there were some great guests Mimi Melange guessed Bradley Cooper. It was not Bradley Cooper, but I would love to have Bradley Cooper on this show. Ian Schaefer said, Ben Ben, meaning J-Lo's Ben, because I had posted a picture of our guest, Milo Ventimiglia, with J-Lo, but you couldn't see it was Milo, so Ian Schaefer thought it might have been Ben Affleck. It was not Ben Affleck, but like Bradley Cooper, 
and Andrew Yang. I welcome Ben Affleck to come on this show. And of course, I welcome J-Lo to come on this show. And Wendy Massey chimed in and said, well, I guess I'm going to have to tune in because I have no idea who the mystery guest is. But I can't wait to find out. I love your podcast and I listen every time a new episode drops. So, Wendy, thank you. I'm glad you're listening to this one. Thanks for following us on social media and thanks for playing Guest to Guest. You can play every Wednesday on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Join us, be a part of the conversation and suggest guests. We're going to continue to bring in surprising guests from all backgrounds. We're the only podcast in America that brings in Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel and Chuck D and everybody in between. America is more divided than ever before, but we at Independent Americans are trying to change that. Adding light to contrast all the heat of the other political shows and bringing you the righteous media five eyes in every episode. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. If you're among the 40% of Americans who are independent that now include Andrew Yang, this is your show. If you're a Republican or a Democrat and you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show. If you're a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. Even if you're not an American, this is your show. You're all welcome. We invite you to join us and be a part of the community and a part of the solution. Please keep sharing the information and please keep sharing the hope. Like Milo Ventimiglia or like Jack Pearson or like Peter Petrelli or like Rocky Balboa Jr., all the characters that Milo's played, and Milo himself. Because hope is the oxygen of democracy. And it's how we'll keep this movement of independent Americans growing week by week. And it's how we'll stay vigilant. Because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And no, you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilance. You are not alone. Just like Milo said, we're all in this together. From Andrew Yang to Nicole Kidman to Senator Joni Ernst to all the members of Ayatsi to my sad New York Yankees to our friend Milo Ventimiglia to even Joe Manchin. All across this country, we are all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. And stay vigilant, America. America.